All right. Well, to the phone lines, and Alex is up first. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Down visiting my mom for Mother's Day, so it's, it's a nice Very weekend. good. It's a good thing for you to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, I got some chores ahead of me here. Um, and so that actually brings me to my call here. Okay. Uh, the first thing that's come up is I went outside and she has a key lime uh, bush or tree. Okay. And the leaves are all turning a little pale yellow. I recommended her to her to put some hash to grow on there. But do you think there might be any other cause for that, or should I look into something else? Probably got a little dry sometime last season, and it's kind of just normal thing citrus do at this time of the year. How does a new growth look that's just coming out on the tree? There's not too much of it, but there are some limes growing on it. Okay. But any any new leaves coming out at this point? No, not really. Okay. Well, hash to grow would be a good thing. If you want to put a little green sand or magic sand on it, uh, you certainly can. But that's kind of typical of citrus. It doesn't sound to me like there's any real issue. Check the base and be sure that that root flare is exposed because a lot of times most key limes are grafted and uh, a lot of times they get buried too deeply and exposing down to where those natural roots, not the little bitty fibrous roots, but where that, that trunk flares out that will be a good thing and key limes of course uh, unlike your bigger persian limes they can bloom anytime they can produce limes at any time so uh yeah just tell her to keep feeding it using that has to grow on a oh gosh every three weeks or so would be a great thing to do on a year-round basis okay yep definitely do that uh the next question is we got these little black furry caterpillars crawling around and eating everything mm-hmm. um what what do you recommend to kind of resolve this issue well, you know, we we face an issue. There are natural things that kill and control caterpillars, like paper wasps and things like that. Don't do anything that would, you know, harm your paper wasps. You can spray spinosad, which will kill them as a contact killer. Uh, you want to keep it away from anywhere the bees are, though, because spinosad, while it's a natural product, is hard on bees. As a last okay. resort... Um, uh, and do this only if you've got severe problems. You can use the BT, the Bacillus thuringiensis products, which are stomach poisons to caterpillars. But the problem here is that they kill all caterpillars, and there's you know such an awareness now of the problem that butterflies face uh, literally worldwide that if you do opt to use a BT product, be sure you only spray it uh, where you've got an issue with these caterpillars, don't ever get out and just spray a whole bed or a whole yard or anything like that. But first question is always, uh, you know, what are they, are they really causing enough problems? Or are they more of a nuisance? If it's a nuisance, the thumb and forefinger works well, or just picking them off okay. and flipping into a, a jug of alcohol. But, uh, spinosad can be safely used, but not where you've got your bees. I wouldn't be using it on your citrus if it's in bloom. Uh, and if you do opt for the BT, which again is totally safe for people, use it in a very limited area. Okay. Yeah. No, I think, uh, the spinosad might be as far as you want to go. It's, okay. It's, it's more, it's, I mean, they're taking the, all the leaves off a few plants, not all the plants, but, yeah. um, you can tell which ones they're attracted to. We can yeah. just focus on those. Yeah. And then the last thing is uh, a European olive. It's it's growing pretty well, going up high. But is there any need to prune this guy or just let him grow wild and natural in any direction it feels like? What's, you what's the just, recommendation? You just, they're basically all cut and grown. They're not grafted. So we're not worried about root sprouts. Pruning is just kind of uh, your idea of the shape that you want the uh, the plant to grow uh if you're hoping to get olives on it it will actually produce more olives on a bush than it will in a tree but 
Um, all, all you're doing is is strictly for cosmetic reasons when it comes to pruning on them. Okay, well then I'll probably just let them keep going. I don't mind the way it looks. I love the olive wood, so <laughs> that's uh, that's what we're going for. Just the, the tree itself. Well, wish your mom a happy Mother's Day, and uh, just get to work on that to do list. And you're doing a good thing, Alex. <laughs> Have a wonderful uh, wonderful weekend. You too. Bye. Goodbye. Okay. Uh, next up is going to be Lee. Good morning, Lee. Yes, Bob. I have three questions for you. I just bought a place, and I don't know what to do with it. Okay. The lantana is just absolutely growing wild. Can I cut that back to about four to six inches high? You want to try to, if you want to preserve the lantana, if it's a pretty flowering variety, you don't ever want to take more than about half the foliage off of it at one time. Uh, You can cut it back fairly severely, but... uh, I, I wouldn't just cut all the leaves off of it. It's just expended a lot of its energy putting on that new growth. Now, if this was February, yeah, I'd tell you cut it back four inches, no problem. But since it's already put on a lot of its spring growth, uh, prune it, but not so that you take off more than about half the foliage. Okay, and then the roses are kind of the same way. Some of them are about uh, six feet high. Okay. Do you know they're if they're... roses, I think. Yeah, you can prune on those as much as you want to prune on them. Uh, just be sure you fertilize them well. Uh, knockouts uh, are vigorous growers. They don't mind being pruned, but to keep them in active growth, they need adequate nutrition. So be sure you're giving them some good fertilizer, but you can cut those back, uh, realizing you're going to sacrifice some flowers, but it won't hurt to cut them back fairly severely. Okay, and then I think I have an old problem. I've got so the, the person that had the place before used a lot of mulch, and then all the leaves come down, and it's, oh, you know, two to three, maybe four inches deep. Is that going to keep moisture from going down? Is it just going to run off? No, it's going to help the moisture actually stay in the soil. It's going to help, uh, you know, uh, overall having that much mulch is good, long as there's no fabric underneath it. Now, if they've put down plastic fabric under their mulch or something like that, I'd pull that up and get rid of it. But just mulch alone is one of the best things you can do for the soil. Those leaves and things that fall on top just act as additional mulch, so they're not a problem in the least. I suspect there's fabric under it. Get it out when you can. It's bad. It it doesn't stop the weeds. It's bad for the roots of every plant out there. So uh, just do it in pieces. Rake the mulch back. uh, Cut it. Rip it up. Put the mulch back over on the soil. You're going to see how nasty the soil is underneath that fabric, and you'll sure understand why it's important to get rid of it. Well, I have a feeling out here in the hill country, I live uh, west of SeaWorld. I don't think there is any soil. <laughs> well, what little soil you have is worse off underneath that fabric. I'll put it that way. And what about the runners from the oak trees? Um, that is partly because you've got that fabric down that you have all those little sprouts coming up. Um, you can mow them off if you like, but normally those are a sign of stress. I'm sure your trees were a little stressed last summer from drought. They're stressed from having that fabric down there. And check to be sure that the trunks are not buried too deeply. All those things will cause you to have more of those sprouts come up. But in talking with some of the arborists that we know and trust, they say go ahead and mow them off. Yeah. Well, these are old oak trees, so yeah. I don't think that that's going to 
that the roots are going to be a problem. Well, and um, you, you never know what the builders, the developers, and all have done with pushing soil around. So just check and see. You should see a big, beautiful root flare on those uh, on those oak trees, and that's what keeps them healthy for as many years as they've been there. So uh, you call me anytime I can help. Okay, thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, Lee. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move Mark up on the list because he apparently lost his connection and then call right back. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Bob. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. Well, I've been told to ask, what kind of hummingbird feeders do you use to support your 1,500 or so hummingbirds? What what brand, what type of feeders do you find most effective? It's it's mostly the ones um, that you get at HEB. Actually, it's your standard quart jar. Uh-huh. From from H E B for like six dollars or whatever. Okay. It's called um Best Best One Hummingbird Feeder. Best made, one made hummingbird. In Poteet, they're made in Poteet, Texas. <laughs> I'm I'm making notes here. Best one hummingbird feeder available at uh H E B and coming from a family that has uh a thousand hummingbirds. A thousand hummingbirds can't be wrong. Yeah. It's 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 the one that looks like a quart jar that's yeah, you know, yeah, in, in the yeah. red saucer. Kind of like the, we used to get a good one from Perky Pet that looked just like that, right. and then uh, for whatever reason they either right. stopped making it or they got a lot harder to find. But uh, okay, I know several people will be out at the store looking for best one because those things do wear out over time, and uh, um, it's. Anyway, yeah, we love right. feeding the hummingbirds. Uh, not quite as much as you guys do, but <laughs> anyway. Okay, well, how can I help you this morning? The other thing, we there, there's a high capacity one we get it uh, at uh, we got it Gibson's. I think Wild Birds Unlimited may have the, it's okay. a bigger one. But anyway, uh, well, yeah, I love Wild um, Birds Unlimited, so I'll check them out as well. So, oh, uh, we've got a couple problems, tough ones here. Um, it's really hard to find the plants at nurseries around here because. They never know what or when they're going to get anything from any of the wholesalers. It's just—it's completely random. They can never tell you anything. Oh, so, uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so like two weeks ago, they finally got my gypsy bell peppers in, and I bought the whole flat. Uh huh. And they're, they're like 15 inches tall in these little four-inch pots. We planted them out, and two days ago, I noticed they had bacterial leaf spot. Okay. Are you familiar with that? Um, it's probably septoria. There, there are a lot of different leaf-spotting fungi. You need sunshine. I mean, uh, if it is indeed bacterial, uh, a little cinnamon uh, is probably the best antibacterial thing you can use, or a little hydrogen peroxide. Both of those will help a great deal with bacterial problems. If it's if it's kind of like if it's more like a real rot. I would prefer the cinnamon. Uh, if it's just leaf spot, I'd be diluting store-bought hydrogen peroxide, about two parts water, one part peroxide, and that should clear it up. Okay. Well, I wish I t- <laughs> From my research on the Internet, every one of the sites said there basically was no way to stop it. Well, if you try the hydrogen peroxide, remember those sites, 99% of them are somewhere in the northeast and midwest, and uh, they don't know how we garden in Texas. Okay. Okay. It, yeah, it is a bacteria. Okay. okay. And if it is bacterial, you will stop it with peroxide. If we okay. get some sunshine, that's the reason you're seeing so much of it are these cool temperatures and lack of sunshine. And uh, we're seeing both bacterial and fungal problems that uh, we normally don't have to deal with this time of year. 
Yeah, I'm actually surprised there's not more problems than we have. Most of the stuff looks good at this point. <laughs> say yeah. that Say that with your fingers crossed or knock on wood or whatever else, because, uh, you know, what is the little voice said to me, came to me saying, cheer up, things could be worse. So I cheered up, and sure enough, they got worse. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm surprised the tomatoes, actually, just yesterday, and those little fungus, I'm going to hit everything everything with serenade yeah as soon as it clears like tomorrow when it's sunny which is okay, a good natural fungicide but it's not going to do in fact it's actually right. a bacteria it's based on bacillus subtilis so uh right. um but it's uh yeah try your peroxide on your bacterial issues okay okay um we we have a new plant this year called knotted hedge parsley which is according to the the texas wildflower book is a native to cannon dam and lano county Really? Okay. Do you know? Okay. Well, <laughs> the issue is, okay, we had a wild turkey nesting out in the front of our house that the babies just left yesterday. Fun. And, and so we couldn't mow this stuff. It's like we've never seen this before. In our big tree, it's a solid patch like 40 feet across. Wow. And and, and this stuff has tr- really tougher roots. So so I was trying to decide. Now we can finally go mow. You know, we avoided mowing because of the turkey. Sure. And I'm trying. I was trying to figure out how aggressive I should be at trying to knock it down. <laughs> well, <laughs> if it's an issue, I would, you know, I would certainly go for it. Uh, mowing low. Uh, if you feel like you need to take a little stronger action against it, you can always hit it with vinegar orange oil mix, and that's not going to bother the birds or anything else out there. I, it's not something that I, you know, have had any experience with, so I can't tell you. Yeah exactly how but i typically would start off with just a good shredding and uh then if it comes okay. back too vigorously vigorously then I'd, I'd get out there with vinegar and orange oil but that's probably not going to work until it's unless it's pretty pretty warm and sunny right it it will work a lot faster when it's warm and sunny okay. but okay. as long as it's not actually raining as long as it's not getting diluted down it will work even when it's cold and cloudy okay <clears throat> okay um how do you deal with the beans and pill bugs? Uh, I use Sluggo Plus. It's uh, it's about the only bait I've found that really works. I'm sure not going to use the old bug baits because those things right. are bad, bad poison. But uh, the Sluggo Plus seems to do a pretty good job. There are just so many pill bugs out there. You uh, can also, you know, you're a natural, do-it-natural guy. Uh, the other thing to do is take a... Uh, Oh, a slick jar, be it a mason jar or whatever, with slick sides, bury it down to where just, you know, half an inch of the rim is sticking up, put a little chunk of lettuce, put just a little water, put a little piece of apple in the bottom. The pill bugs will crawl in by the thousands and can't get back out, and uh, you'll you'll never know the, how many pill bugs there were, but you can make your own little natural traps, and that's very effective and a good way to get rid of them. One thing I found that works is I take the banana peels and mm-hmm. and cut them in pieces and lay them, you know, down, and then I go the next morning and I take my my little instant on torch and pick up the banana peels and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you do that, you'd be amazed that they they all congregate under those those banana peels. Oh, they'll do the same thing under a cardboard piece of cardboard. Yeah, there are. Uh... There are many ways. I haven't, right, yeah. haven't haven't ever tried the instant on uh, propane torch on them yet, but uh, 
Uh, I frequently apply uh, a, a good yeah. deal of pressure with the sole of a boot, but right. Uh, right. Uh, but yeah, they they are so prolific this year. The Slogo Plus bait will get them. Making your own little trap um, right. will get them, okay. but uh, there are lots of them out there. We actually plant all of our beans and collars to try to keep them out. Yeah, I made collars out of one gallon black pots. Yep. which is kind of a challenge, but uh, well, and yeah, and yeah. that black pot they can a lot of times go up and over it. So, uh, yeah, um, right. the right. slicker the better. Um, but uh, right. yeah, right. It, just try to do a little population control where you can. And it sounds like your banana peel method might be might work for you. It's kind of fun. And and one 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 thing I learned um, um, hardware type problem. Do not grind steel anywhere close to your windows. Mm. We we're building a new deck with a steel understructure, uh-huh. and I, and I and I, it put tiny tiny nicks in our oh, yeah. three brand new windows above it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, these little learning experiences. You yeah. know what Will Rogers said is a good judgment comes mainly from experience, which comes mainly from bad judgments. So. Good, good word of uh, word of warning, and uh, as you okay. well know, always wear your eyewear, no matter no matter where right. you're working on stuff like that. Right, exactly. Okay, okay. I think that'll take care of it this time, Bob. All well, right. Thanks for the information on the feeders, and uh, tell Diana a very, very happy Mother's Day. Okay, I will. Thanks. Thank All you right. so much. Bye. Bye. All right, back to guarding. Back to the phone line is going to be Teresa, Betty, and Robin. And Teresa's up. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Bob. Thank Good. you for taking my call. Thank I you. have a quick question. Uh-huh. Um, I had the red leaf lettuce, and it's bolting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I never planted this plant before, the lettuce. Right. And I didn't even know when to pick the lettuce to use to eat. But is it? I don't know what to do with it. When did you plant it, Teresa? How long ago? Oh, maybe around, must have been two months ago. Okay. Um, You planted a little late because lettuce is normally cold-hardy here. We typically plant our lettuces sometime around October. And we harvest from leaf lettuces, we harvest almost constantly. We keep picking off the outside leaves, and, you know, then it keeps growing new ones. And so you're just sort of harvesting from the outside in. And it's just that when we get into the longer days and the warmer weather of spring, it bolts. Now, you can cut those flower spikes off, and you may get a little bit more leaf growth out of it. But what you're looking at is just uh, the normal end yeah. of life, and it's, it comes from changing day length and temperatures. And you can harvest any time. You can eat all parts of it. But start a lot earlier next year, and you'll have many months of harvest and just of just a few weeks okay and then we had started a herb garden but we're getting pea-sized hose in some of the the basil yeah. what do you suggest for a fertilizer um well as a fertilizer any good liquid product uh medina makes two great liquids i'm liking their new fish fertilizer real well and then of course they have has to grow plant espoma makes a good liquid fertilizer but now the holes in the leaves are probably due to pill bugs. Pill bugs really love basil, and you'll need to go with a non-poisonous material. We use a granular bait called Sluggo Plus, P-L-U-S. Sluggo Plus attracts the pill bugs and safely gets rid of them. 
Oh, okay. And then I heard you say about um, we have a Don Juan plant, and we noticed that we've had sprouts around the the rose. I mean, the uh-huh. the rose plant, the Don Juan roses. Right. And I heard you say about the oak tree when they are stressed, uh-huh. they have sprouts around that. Uh, is that the same? Well, that's partly the Four. same. Now, now your Don Juan is almost uh, is one of the most beautiful red roses in the world, but it is almost mm-hmm. always a grafted rose, and those sprouts are coming off not the Don Juan per se. They're coming off the rootstock that it was grafted onto. You want to cut those away any time you <laughs> see them. But, uh, yeah, Don Juan, um, like all roses, they never want to get totally dry. They want to have plenty of good sun. Don Juan is when – is yours a climber or is it the bush? The climber. The climber, okay. Um, and it's one of the ones that will actually produce blooms on both new growth and mm-hmm. old growth. But, no, i just be uh, – put a little mulch over the root system, but uh, just trim off those root sprouts anywhere they come up because they're not actually the Don Juan part of the rose. Okay, and then one last one. My bell peppers are growing wonderful with this rain. Brown coloring around the the separation of the the stems. Probably, probably it's either just a little too much moisture. I don't think it's anything to worry about. But uh, don't be giving them any supplemental water. Believe me, they got all the water they need. Until the soil's dry an inch deep or so around your bell peppers, don't water again. Uh, I think they're just staying a little bit wetter than they really prefer to stay. Oh, okay. So you you said, and I I just look at the soil to see if it's dry, and then I can water it. Well, don't don't just look at it. Stick your finger in it. Your index finger is the best moisture meter in the world. When it's dry about a knuckle deep, it's time to water. And I want to let you know, I talked to you several times about my garlic, and I'm going to pick it tomorrow because it's drying up, and I can't wait to see my my garlic. You, uh, you know, don't wash it. If you need to clean it, I remember uh, you story. Yeah, just brush it. it off, and uh, you enjoy. You're gonna, you're gonna have the best garlic you've ever, you've ever tasted, Teresa. All right. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Have a great day. You do the same, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Betty's next, and it will be Robin and Richard. Good morning, Betty. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good to hear your voice. Okay. What I need to know. And not everything you know, just everything I can copy down. <laughs> okay. What's the subject? The name of the flower plant, I have them in uh, containers, is it Diplodenia, D-I-P-L-A-D-E-N-I-A? Uh-huh. Diplodenia, and uh, sometimes people call them mandevias, but uh, generally the little smaller flower mandevias are, are the ones they call Diplodenia. Uh, there's a bright pink form. There's a red form. Which one do you have? The beautiful red. Okay. Yeah. They uh, and and you just need to know basics of growing. Yes, sir. That's one of the things I'm going to talk about in my seminar this morning. Uh, they want a lot of light. They don't have to have afternoon sun, but they need uh, at least six or seven hours of sun, and uh, so keep them in a bright place. They need something to grow up whether it's a trellis or a fence or a tomato cage or whatever else, or you can grow them in a hanging basket and let them just trail down. They want to be watered very thoroughly, allowed to get good and dry on the surface, and then watered again. Uh, They will not regularly survive a cold winter. So 
Uh, they're probably going to have to be brought in if you want to save them over the winter months. But they're just a beautiful tropical vine, and uh, they'll have uh, lots and lots of flowers on them. I doubt if you'll see any insect problems. Mealybug is the one that you may might possibly see. If you get any of that, control it with a little neem oil. But uh, basically, just plenty of sun, plenty of fertilizer, and uh, water when uh, water thoroughly when dry about a knuckle deep, and your diplodinias should bloom all summer for you. Okay. One problem. Okay. I had them last year, and they did not grow any higher than 12 15 inches and i kept it in full sun uh-huh well put that it was bad i should have put it on my patio probably put it where you get a little protection they will tolerate the hot sun but they'll be a little bit happier if you give them protection from say that two o'clock to five o'clock afternoon sun and feed frequently good liquid fertilizer feed them at least every two weeks to keep them growing and blooming Okay, well, if it never starts drooping or vining, what's happening? Am I not doing it right, or what? I think you're just not fertilizing it enough. Oh, okay. And That's- remember, it does like warm weather. They're not going to grow a whole lot with these 50-degree mornings, but when we start getting to more typical weather, it should grow like a weed. Oh, that's what I want. I'm stuck with my weed. <laughs> yeah, that that's a beautiful ornamental weed when it starts doing that. Thank you very much, Bob. Have a good day. And a happy Mother's Day to you as well, Betty. And uh, we'll talk again. Let me uh, get uh, the third lady in a row, and that would be, well, I don't know that for a fact. Good morning, Robin. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I have a gardenia that has black ends on the leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's performing. It looks terrible, and very few uh, buds. Okay. And I, what should I do? Is it in a pot or in the ground? It's in the ground, and it's been in there in the ground for about ten years, I think. Okay, and this and is it, first time you've had the the bad tips on the leaves. Yeah, it was a little bit last year, and now it's a lot worse. Okay, um, when you see black tips on the leaves. It's, uh, you know that you, uh, um, something is bothering the roots. So, okay. uh, it could be a water issue. It could be a nutrient issue. Uh, be fertilizing regularly. Be sure that when you water, you water very thoroughly and then don't water again until that soil's dry at least an inch deep. Um, feed regularly. Gardenias don't really like our alkaline soils. Uh, so I would keep a pretty good mulch around the base of the plant. But most importantly, be sure you're not keeping it too wet. That's one thing about gardenias. They do like good drainage. Okay. Um, and what fertilizer do you recommend? I, If we were, uh, well, at this point, I'm probably going to use a liquid like has to grow. On a long-term basis, uh, we make a mixture of, uh, you know, just a good flowering plant food. We happen to use something called Color Essentials, but uh, just mix that with your basic uh, Nature's Creation or uh, Medina, any good fertilizers. But right now, to try to get this thing a little bit healthier, a little bit more vigorous, mm-hmm. uh, just use your has to grow about every three weeks. Okay, every three weeks. Okay, my friend has... Uh, hyacinth bulbs uh-huh. that she uh, put in the little special glass vases mm-hmm. in water to let them grow. And she wants to know 
if uh, she can put them in the ground now, and will she have to dig them up, or will she, uh, let's see. Yeah, what what she she wants to keep them for next year. How should she do it? Well, she needs to give those bulbs a chance to really rebuild themselves. Yes, I would put them in the ground. Most of the time, hyacinths are good for at least two or three years. But tell her to plant them in a fairly sunny spot, water them regularly, try to keep that foliage as beautiful as possible because that's what it's going to look like while the bulb is re, being rebuilt. And then uh, the foliage will go away sometime this summer. But if the bulb is in good shape, if she's been fertilizing it right along, uh, she'll have flowers, fragrant flowers again next spring. Okay, she'll be delighted. Okay, thank you so much. All right, we're going to talk to Richard and Tim. Richard is up first. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Bob. What's going on this fine day? Uh yeah, I have a question about uh, my vegetable garden and an avocado tree. Okay. Um, and I think I may know the answer, but I just want to get your thoughts. Um, so my vegetable garden gets about eight hours of sun. Ideally, I know it'd be great when it's full sun. But what my suspicion is, like with my squash and my cucumbers, are the leaves tend to yellow, or they're mm-hmm. kind of yellow right now, and they usually brown from the edges um, into the leaves where they eventually wilt. Now, I do have some new growth, which is fine when it starts, but it kind of wilts over time. So the plants are still living, but would you attribute it to the lack of sunlight because I don't get full sun and this overcast that we've had the last couple of months? That probably has a lot to do with it. Probably also excessive moisture. And um, how often do you fertilize and what do you use? Usually I'll use a has to grow um, liquid plant food um, uh, every couple of weeks. Okay. Well that, and uh, it's not nutrients. It, Probably is uh, too much water and too little sunlight, um, and you know, not not a whole lot we can do about either one of those things right now. But uh, uh, when we do go back, and you know, the sun's going to come back out, and we're going to be complaining <laughs> about that in the not too distant future, I'm sure. Um, they should perk up if you want. There's still plenty of time to plant another crop of both squash and cucumbers. And um, you might want to, and you'll have to judge how good or bad condition your seed is in or your plants are in. And if you uh, you want to start a few more, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'll probably be planting some cucumbers this week myself. Yeah, I'll probably do that because I have some onions that I feel like kind of the same conditions didn't take off. Um, and uh, they're just not growing. So I may, uh, to your point, just plant another crop as well. Well, no, okay, too late uh, on onions. Way too late on onions. Well, you know. Not yeah, just replace the onions with the squash and cucumbers. Oh yeah, um, okay, that's that's that is a better plan. And if you want to plant some black-eyed peas or bush beans, things like that, we've still got plenty of time to do that as well. Sure, I'll consider that. <laughs> so the um, I called you a couple months about my avocado tree. You told me just patient, be patient, because I uh, I repotted it, um, I made sure the root fair is exposed, and I. I it was starting to lose leaves and so forth. So that those buds have now become leaves. Uh-huh. But the issue that I've had since I bought it last October, November, is that the, the root ball just seems like it's not rooting. Like it kind of still like wiggles mm-hmm. a little bit more so than I thought it would do. Yeah. And so I wanted to get your thoughts because it's still uh, binded to that rod that they put in when they're, you know, they're young to keep them right. straight and that kind of thing, but is there anything I can do to stimulate the roots to make it feel like it's a little more sturdy and, and take it? 
you can make it warmer. You can warm up the soil. Yeah, okay. And if you can manage that, um, you do want to stabilize that root ball as much as possible because the more it rocks around, the more it is going to break up those tender little roots as they try to grow. And okay. the what the arborists are doing now, and granted this is usually on bigger trees than an avocado, but staking we don't like tying it up with guy wires we really don't like but they will actually take and you can use pipe you can use a heavy duty rebar you can use wood for that matter but you put two and let's just talk about pipes you would put two of them on top of the root ball itself uh one on either side of the trunk and then you would anchor it to the ground uh either with you know like a big u-shaped whatever but pressing these things holding that tightly down against the ground is the best way that they have found to stabilize that root ball where it will take hold where it will grow better where the roots won't be damaged if the top of it rocks back and forth a little bit in the wind because that's a problem that stake may be holding the trunk up but it's not keeping the whole root ball from moving around and every time that happens it breaks off new little roots that are trying to grow so if you can do something like that to stabilize and really hold the root ball firmly in place, as the weather warms up, you're going to get much, much better, much stronger growth uh, on the roots. And that, of course, will translate into better growth from the avocado tree. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I'll try that because it, it is starting to bark from the, the base up and it is growing new leaves. I feel good about that. So I just want, feel a little insecure about that root ball. I was hoping well, it by now. But and again... That. If you can't rig away to do it with pipe or rebar, you can always just take a couple of wooden stakes, move out, you know, two feet on each side of the root ball and just drive them down where they're securely in the ground. And then just use a piece of two by two or something like that to anchor it in place or two by four. We're only going to have to keep it anchored probably for one growing season. And then it's going to be very firmly established in the soil. And that should be that issue should be passed. Okay, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but it is in a pot, so I guess oh, in it's a just pot. a mini version of... Yeah, yeah I guess I, I would just create a mini version of it, and if it's starting to okay. form a heavy bark, it can go into the ground if you have a place that you want to put it out in the, in the soil. Yeah, I'm probably going to wait another year or two before I okay. do that, but yeah, I'll definitely try that. Well, keep it anchored in place, and you'll get a much better root system started, but a little warmth and plenty of fertilizer, that's the main thing we need right now. All right, Bob, well, I appreciate it. My pleasure, Richard. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, and that leaves us plenty of time to talk with Tim. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. I have a question in reference to my uh, oak tree. Okay. It's well over 25 years old, and it's rising up through the ground and putting out roots that that are right on the surface and growing big knobs on them. Okay, is this a live oak? I guess it is. Yeah, it keeps its leaves in the winter months. That's kind of uh, a normal, Tim. What what part of town, what area do you live in? Northwest San Antonio. So you're sitting on a lot of rock out there. You know, if... Yeah, if you uh, if you walked around my ranch, if you looked at the oak trees growing out there, they look exactly like what you're describing. And the tree is not actually rising up, but the roots, you know, they grow as much on the top as they do on the bottom. So they become 
more and more pronounced all the time, and that what we call the root flare, which I think should be called the trunk flare, where it kind of flares out at the base, that is a sign of a healthy tree, and that, uh, you know, it, it sh- granted you're not going to be able to, <laughs> to mow grass around that area, but that tree's going to get so big and thick, and it's going to be so shady, if you want to kind of cover up some of that area, you can always plant Asiatic jasmine or some other ground cover there, but what you're describing to me sounds like just a beautifully healthy, big old native live oak tree. Well, I'll be darned. And it's got lots of uh, small oak trees growing up through all around it. Well, that is, those are actually sprouts coming off the roots. Those are not sprouted yeah. acorns. It's probably, right. the tree is, you know, up and it's hard to think back uh, nine months. But, uh, you know, we had a very dry summer last year. We got good rains early in the fall and then it got dry again. But we were in a bit of a drought up until all the rain started, and that's probably the reason that you're seeing uh, the increase in the number of suckers off the root system. Uh, you can just trim them off if you like. They're not going to, you know, not anything you can dig up and transplant. I just basically cut them off and be rid of them where they're in your way. If they're in grass, just mow them off. But uh, they're just a sign that at some point that tree was a little stressed and is doing the things that live oaks normally do. Okay, so the tree is basically in good health. It just it has problems now and then. Well, it it's not really. I can think of a lot worse problems, but it reacts to things like drought, which it does really like. And when anything stresses it. It says, hey, you know, I better put up some sprouts off my roots because something might happen to me. But at this point, I'm hearing nothing that doesn't sound like just a big, healthy tree that uh, may have had a little bit of drought stress sometime in the past. You just, uh, you know, you don't even have to water unless we go for two or three months without rain. It would help to put a little fertilizer around a couple of times a year just the same thing you use on your grass will be fine for your tree be sure nobody puts any weed and feed products or anything like that that stuff's horrible and that will damage the roots on your tree and cause even more of those sprouts but uh no you just sit back and enjoy i don't i don't hear you telling me anything that needs to be done to make that tree better or healthier okay i'll tell mama quit worrying about it (laughs) and wish her happy mother's day while you're at it She's got me out there with a machete hacking those knobs off. No, tell her absolutely not. That's dangerous. That could expose the tree to oak wilt, and um, uh, it might cause a problem for Tim as well. So uh, <laughs> tell her those knobs are, are totally normal. The tree needs them, and uh, put the machete away. Okie dokie. Thank you much, Bob. You're sure welcome, Tim. Thank Have you, a sir. Good day. I plan to. Thank you, sir.